Work in the glass or fenestration industry? Build your team, business, and livelihood by attending the biggest industry event of the year, Glass Build America. Join your peers, prospects, and competitors in Atlanta, October 31st through November 2nd for the ultimate business building and networking event, Glass Build America. Learn more and register at glassbuild.com. That's glassbuild.com. Register for free using promo code POD. Welcome back to the Glasscast podcast and vlog from the National Glass Association and its leading publication, Glass Magazine. I'm Katie Devlin. I'm the content director for the NGA, and I'm here with my colleague, Sarah Neiswanger, NGA's associate director of industry engagement. So today's episode will be our final episode highlighting some of the standout presentations from the 25th anniversary of the BEC conference held in March in Las Vegas. If you missed any of those previous episodes, definitely uh, check back on the feed to listen or watch those. So today's episode features another presentation from the panel discussion, We Will Overcome, the before, during, and after of addressing business challenges. So during this session, glazing contractors offered a unique look under the hood at some common but often under-discussed challenges they faced on recent projects. On the previous episode, Matt Camper from Woodbridge Glass discussed some conflicts among project team players on a complex curtain wall job in Anaheim. In today's episode, we'll hear from David Ferret, Vice President of Operations for Bagatellus Architectural Glass Systems. Yeah, so David's talk, it really offers a, a pretty stark reminder about the unknowns that can happen on a project and totally derail things. Uh, David provided an in-depth look at how someone from the outside of the project team, in this case a fire marshal, uh, can stop a project dead in its tracks. Um, David called it a nightmare scenario for the company. Um, and while it is a, a fairly unique situation, uh, what happened to them on this project, he did warn the audience that this could be a growing trend um, where you might have regulators or plan checkers, inspectors potentially getting in the way on the job and uh, tangling things up. So with that, let's turn it over to David. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm David Ferret, um, Bagatellus Architectural Glass. I've been in the business a long time. Um, did, did some, you know, started out with my career with Harman, uh, learned a lot in those 10 years came out to California and worked for a couple other regional companies in the last 10 years have been with Bagatellus and we're a design assist. Um, you know, I think everybody in the panel is the same way. We're, we do design, engineering, manufacturing, installation. We do the whole, whole thing. So um, I wanted to take an angle of, you know, talking about we shall overcome uh, something that maybe is something that's unique and most of the audience maybe has never heard of. So I thought, I thought we'd kind of start talking about that, but it may be something that's coming up, maybe a trend, and um, I just thought I'd present, if I get my five minutes with an audience like this, I thought we should, I should present this. So um, I'll give you my philosophy, you know, when we, when we do do project planning, I mean, most of the estimating these days with, these, with the programs, with uh, doing BIM modeling, the takeoffs are pretty good, the glass is accurate, everything, the pieces and parts are accurate, but you really do need to think about logistics, um, installation sequences, equipment, you know, manpower, uh, the regulators, the inspectors, the testing, job site modifications, all of the things that will derail your plan. And I, I kind of focus more of my project managers on those things, not just 
the simple stuff. Um, typically, we get out of um, design assist and the contract is given to a project manager and at that point he's really got to develop a detailed schedule. And that is his, his schedule, that detailed schedule is how he's going to succeed or fail. And here's a, a sample of, you know, just a design assist, m my, maybe there's a visual mock-up, a, a performance mock-up, your engineering, your procuring, your shop, you know, fab assemble glaze and your field installing and it's got to match the general contractor schedule, and so that's that's kind of a sample of how we do every single project. And then with all of those in line, you know, you, you really have kind of a process for success. It can derail pretty quickly, but you at least you have a plan. Um, and so, really, then what I want to talk about is one of my over what we overcome was a little nightmare that happened to us, and I wanted to kind of just talk about. The current trends that we are observing in California are the continued increase in added regulators, inspectors, plan checkers. You know, we have, everybody knows the, the hospital processes with Oshpot, or now they're called Hakai, um, all of the other things. But we're starting to see more and more regulators. And those, those guys are a little scarier because they're not really builders, but they, they can make your life pretty miserable. Um, and so in this instance where I'm bringing up the, the incident that happened to us, and it's, it's happened to some other contractors in this room too, I'm sure, um, was a, a particular project where um, the fire marshal um, got to the um, submittal that was done by another contractor. We, we were not the insulator. We did not have the insulation in our, in our contract. But the perimeter fire containment system was flagged during a, a subcontractor's submittal, and they rejected the, the submittal, and they asked if the curtain wall anchor had been fire tested. And of course, the insulator didn't know how to answer that. And then it comes, the general contractor talks to us, and we go, well, it's not in our scope. I don't know what you're talking about. And then, obviously, the general contractor starts to force it to be in your scope because the fire marshal has just, you know, gone ahead and rejected the uh, perimeter fire containment system and the project stopped. So what do you do? So I don't know if any of you guys really know. Here's an example of what it looks like. Um, a lot of times in the manufacturing business, we'll be asked to put the insulation into the curtain wall system, which is just the board going inside. But the mullion wraps, the perimeter um, smoke seal, fire safing, all of that is usually done by another trade. Um, I imagine there, there are some of you installers that do pick this up, but typically we don't. So again, in this little nightmare, we had this, um, the fire marshal basically said the only solution was that you were going to burn um, the curtain wall and prove that your anchor would work. And so we had, to, we had to go to San Antonio and we had to um, build this six curtain wall units and erect it in a chamber just to let you know um, those chambers for UL are the size of, they, they are a established size so that you don't fit your stuff, um, they don't fit around you, you fit into them. You know, I want to you guys to listen or think about what UL is and what an EJ is and maybe learn more about it. I've got a lot of content in this. I don't have 
a lot of time to go through all of this, but just to kind of show you my little example that we overcame. But an EJ basically is an analysis of saying that uh, the engineer judgment's close to a UL test and um, they are asking the fire marshal to accept it. And the fire marshal decides that it's not as close as he wants it to be. He can reject and make you do whatever it is to pass. And in this case, we had to go to San Antonio and fire test this. So just to show you what they do, um, after you do that, they have a, a blowtorch on the outside and one on the inside. And you can see the cut section that I I'm showing you there, there's an opening that you have to make with your curtain wall panels, and they, um, that fire is burning, and they have one on the inside and one on the outside, and they're looking upstairs at that perimeter fire containment system and that anchor, and they have to burn it for two hours and try to make sure there's a picture of the inside of the chamber where if there's any smoke or anything that seeps through, you have a failure. And so they burn that wall for two hours. Um, this is a picture of when it's done. And that was, uh, that was very difficult to get through on a project that we were trying to really hurry up and get through. I've given some links to um, Hilti and STI and Owens Corning, who are really the experts at this and not I. Um, you, you'll have these links that you can look at and review and, and you know, learn more about if, you, if it comes to your area. Um, my my takeaway on this, um, this is an example of what the UL looked like and what the EJ looked like and how the fire marshal just absolutely rejected it because it, it was not the same looking thing. Uh, the solution I would advise going forward is that you as the installer, even if it's not in your contract, you might want to ask the general contractor to see what that, that fire containment submittal looks like. And if it's drastically different than your anchor or your connection, you might wanna just bring it up to them. It may be in your, in your areas, it's not a problem and it gets through, but I would be, it'd feel better if I did the due diligence and gave him a, say a redlined markup of that saying, my anchor isn't like that, my, you know, the, the mullion spacing isn't this, um, you know, just going forward. Other than that, I, you know, I think that's, that's about all we can do as an industry right now to see. But as you can see, we overcame, we went from a, a skeleton of a building that had the uh, anchors all on, and then we got to put the curtain wall up, so. Tremendous, tremendous. Thanks again to David, and a shout out to all of our BEC conference speakers we featured on our Glasscast series this summer. This has truly been a fun way to bring these important perspectives to you and hopefully make it a no-brainer for you to join us next March 3rd to the 5th in Nashville when the BEC conference meets again. Yes, I will definitely be there, Sarah, and I am <laughs> certainly looking forward to what we've got, uh, got on tap for content there. Uh, and of course, if you have any feedback on the series, ideas for future episodes, if you'd like to be involved in the podcast uh, in any way, do not hesitate to reach out to me over LinkedIn or email. Um, we'd really love to hear from you. So thanks again, and we will see you next time.